on Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 455. Today's show is brought to you by Fitbod, Clean My Mac X, and Electric. I feel quite honored to be able to introduce today's episode. We'll talk about why a little bit later on in the show. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as I have been for a super long time, by Federico Vitici. Oh, hi, thank you, good sir. It's, it is also my honor uh, to be introduced by you. <laughs> and it's also my honor... To introduce another friend who's been with us a long time, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Federico. Hello, Mike. Are you honored? I am greatly honored, especially since I got to go last today. It feels like leading up to me. It's kind of nice. Okay. <laughs> it's been a real honor sandwich today. <laughs> sandwich. Yeah. With uh, some Federico in the middle, you know? Federico is the meat in our sandwich, is what you're saying. Well, you didn't need to go further, but, but you did. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, why no. wouldn't I? Sure. <laughs> we shall start, as we often do, with follow-up. And I want to thank everybody who has jumped on the Kickstarter for my 2024 Apple history calendar. We are well on our way now. The, it's been running for a week. It's right in line with what it did last year, which I'm very excited about. I have all these charts and graphs, right? Kickstarter, if you never run one, they give you so much data and the dashboard. It's really cool. So right on track with last year, if you haven't backed it yet, you still have some time. The Kickstarter ends the morning of July 14th, and you should go You should go check it out because it completes the trilogy. This calendar looks at the history of Apple retail and its services business, and it's this awesome wall calendar. You can get digital versions, you can get wallpapers, you can get stickers, all sorts of stuff, and I'm really pleased with how this one is shaping up. You should go... Uh, Go back and get yourself a calendar later this year. Big money Hackett strikes again. Big money boy. Here he is. I forgot about that. Thank you for the reminder, Federico. Yeah. I've forgotten about everyone's favorite character, Big Money Hackett. Uh, Steven, I thought you were going to, I thought you were starting the show by saying we start as we often do by talking about calendars. And that was very funny to me, but you've said we follow up. I mean, sometimes we talk about calendars. Today's one of those days. I mean, we do. We talk about it for, what, three to four weeks a year every year for the last three years. Have you thought how over the course of 10 years you've literally become a Stephen for calendars? I know. That's one of the earliest episode <laughs> titles of the show. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really was prophetic. <laughs> uh, what is it? You either die a hero or you live, you live long enough to become... Stephen for calendars. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is what they say. It's, it's, it's amazing. What is, uh, well, this is, this is terrible because I'm saying a thing and I, and I don't really know what I'm saying. Okay. That was, but <laughs> <laughs> me most of the time. <laughs> yeah, that is very normal for me. Uh, there is, there's like a, there's like a TV show or something. Simpsons, right? Yeah. Where the Simpsons yeah. predicts everything. Yes. Right? yes. You yeah. know that, yes. that like I I don't know what the exact wording is, but like there is a you can go back and find a Simpsons episode that will predict anything. And yes, at this true. point, there is <laughs> enough show titles that you can just go back and prove anything. Yes. <laughs> and Stephen for calendars, similar situation. Yeah. Episode fifty six of the prompt. It was the penultimate episode. Oh wow. Wow. I always forget there was only fifty seven of those. It feels like we did it forever. Yeah, it's ridiculous. We only did it, we did it for a year and like three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> see ya. And here we are, an episode four fifty five. I have a little piece of um, 
what would you call this? I would call it a link content strategy <laughs> where a anonymous 512 pixels reader and listener to the show, I believe, sent me an e an eWorld promotional mailer. And it's like the best thing I've gotten in the mail in a long time. This is like um, vertical integration or something for you. Yes. Right. Or like um, SponCon or promo promotional Spon-con. content or something Spon-con. where you're sponsoring your own content. Yes, or Apple of 1994 is sponsoring my yeah my content. Uh, yeah, so this w- was a mailer that Apple sent out to, I assume, a bunch of people promoting eWorld in 1994, and I scanned it all and cleaned it up and put full-size scans over on 512 Pixels uh, as a way to, like, you know, talk about eWorld and then shamelessly link to my own Kickstarter at the bottom of the blog mm-hmm. post. So if you want to know a whole lot more about eWorld, this link is for you. This mailer is is very much, this could have been an email, but email just didn't exist really. So like they, they had to make a flyer instead. Well, you would have already yes. been on eWorld, yeah. right? It's like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you email people without email? You send them something in the actual mail. It's like, uh, I'm sure you guys remember this, right? All of the CDs for, for different internet service providers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like everyone had a CD. Yes. 500 hours free mm-hmm. on AOL so because you bought a coke at a gas station right it was they were just everywhere uh i would like to follow out to episode 379 of the talk show which that seems funny that we have more anyway uh it feels like the talk show has been around forever maybe maybe it doesn't maybe the, like episode one was post five but anyway uh episode 379 of the talk show where christian selig developer of apollo uh joined john gruber and that i thought they just had a really great conversation about kind of the full details of Apollo and Reddit and where uh, Celix going from there. And John says it in the show and it is kind of so bizarre to me in a way for like how good spirited Christian Selig is. Yes. I, like I can't fathom it. Like I don't understand why he isn't just like cursing everybody out all the time. You know, like and he would be well within his rights to do this. Because he's Canadian. Yeah, I guess that's probably hmm. it. Yeah, could be. It's, yeah. it. it's, it's but good, kind people over there. I've I haven't interacted with Christian much over the years, but did a little bit over email, like a many number of years ago. Um, but he just seems like a nice dude, and I really hope that. Uh, I just feel I just feel bad for him, and I just hope that he isn't like soured, you know. Um, and mm. I, I had forgotten uh, that he also made Pixel Pals, and like he references to that being like a thing that he still gets a lot of enjoyment out of and so you know i'm happy he has something to like continue working on until i assume he comes up with uh, the next thing that he wants to do uh but yeah it's just sad i have some uh mike ai for you remind me of where this name came from artificial inform no anonymous informant there you go (laughs) artificial informant Though it is fake. You cannot even get it right. Your own thing. Okay. It's it's hard. Uh, Mike AI. It's literally fake news. <laughs> anonymous informants. So there was a report uh, that came out, I think, yesterday that Mac from Mac Rumors and, out, and other outlets that uh, there are some Beats Studio Pro headphones on the mm-hmm. way. I have some additional details. <gasps> okay. You got the inside scoop on Beats products. Yeah. Uh, yes, clearly one of the AIs has some kind of Beats hookup. I don't You're trying know. not I don't, to burn your source. 
Well, they're completely anonymous to me, so I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, so these will be releasing on July 19th. They will come in a number of colors. They're actually in the images, black, navy, sandstone, and deep brown. Uh, these beats will have active noise cancellation and spatial audio. The source seemed to indicate to me that there will be no transparency mode, but that was unclear. Hmm. Uh, they will support Find My and Google FastPair. They will have upgraded voice targeting microphones. That will have both a 3.5 millimeter jack and USB-C. They have a new carrying case and optimized sound profiles that are called Beat Signature, Entertainment, and Conversation. That's my information for you. What do we think about the colors? Brown is a choice. I kind of like it. Well, you're old, so that... <laughs> what? <laughs> like I like the brown. Yeah, I like the I like the, the the first one on the left. Pretty basic, maybe. Or, mm-hmm. What is that? That like? would be pearl. What what is that? Sandstone. Sandstone. Yeah, I like that. Brown could work in the right context for the right person. I like the navy. I the navy is navy. good. The black one is just kind of boring. Yeah. I, w- I would like to see the black one with the red Beats logo. I was upset there wasn't a clear version, personally. Yes. I want everything to be clear now. And now they've sh- Beats has shown they can do it. <laughs> Come on. Yep. Did y'all see the, the Nothing guy was teasing a clear USB-C cable the other day? Yeah. I'll, I'll buy that cable. Yeah, me too. So here's a question for you guys. Would you pay double the price of an iPhone if it came in a clear version? When you started this, I thought you were going to just talk about like if, you know, like for for clear AirPods or something. And I would say no. No, clear iPhone, all clear iPhone, but it costs twice as much. I mean, I feel like for the two of you, it'd be pointless because you put it in a case. Well, no, at that point, I wouldn't put it in a case. (laughs) Like a clear iPhone, I wouldn't put in a case. So that's what we need to do. I mean, I, I, double though. Mm. Double twice as much. Not not double, but I would pay a premium. Okay, okay, interesting. So like what? Thirty percent. Yeah, thirty percent. Twenty-two percent. Twenty-two. Twenty-two. So you're stopping uh, at twenty-two percent. I think so. And that's your final answer. Sure. <laughs> My question. <laughs> I have an additional question. <laughs> Okay, sorry, specific 23% and he's out. My follow-on question is, is it a premium on top of the base iPhone price or is it a premium on top of like the comparison specs? Because if I was going to pay a 30% premium, I would expect to have the highest storage in there too, you know? Oh, no, no. It's just, it's it's a, a premium um, uh, against the base specs. So like you get an iPhone 15 Pro, uh, and and the base storage model, what is it, 256 gigs version? Um, the clear version of that starts at a premium more. And I don't get more storage for that? No, 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 no. It's just you pay for the clear color version. I maybe would do like 30% Ooh, yeah. more. Big, big money Hurley over there. I, yeah, would do th- yeah. I would also do 30, but probably not more than 30. I wouldn't do twice as much. But it does depend, though, on how it actually looks, too, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's just got, it's being clear look- is one thing, but they've got to have put the work in. No, no, they put the work in. It, it's, it's, it's good clear. <laughs> yeah. So go, go do some more. Go, go buy a calendar so Stephen can bump yeah. up those 8%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Please. so, like... You cannot do it at 
Yeah. So. Please, my iPhone. I can't see through it. <laughs> my clear iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> my cash flow. She's very sick. Yes. <laughs> I have some smell talk for the two of you. Excellent. Oh, finally. I feel I feel like we need a we need a sound like a proper sound effect to introduce the segment. Okay. Like it's, it's smell, smell talk. talk. That's disgusting. Okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the anonymous source wrote back in. How do you know? Well, how do you know it's the same source? Yeah. <laughs> if they're is anonymous, how do you know? They referenced. This is what I wrote previously. Here's some more detail. Mm. I mean, anyone could do that. I mean, you mm. have made up sources about the, the headphones you know how do we know that person's real you'll find out you'll find out if all of these details are correct yeah in like a month okay <laughs> and then we can follow up <laughs> definitely won't forget deep brown <laughs> deep brown the anonymous source wrote back in uh, apple pipes in the scent from the outside areas of apple park to the inside there is an orchard that is the main source of the smell there's no flower crushing machine next to Johnny Surgi's lab. This sounds like Apple has a vendetta against their employees who have hay fever. I was gonna say, if you have allergies, yeah, you, uh, work at Infinite Loop. Yeah, <laughs> you. <laughs> this 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 central location, like this orchard, which is the source of the smell, sounds like a place in Metroid Prime. Yes. Like, go yep. to the central orchard, and it's the source of the scent at Apple. Like, <laughs> it's just a big terrarium with like a hose on the top, and there's like a bunch of trees <laughs> inside, and it's just like extracting the smell. That's all it's for. This was backed up by a second anonymous source that was present when Apple Park was being built, and said that the hardware to pot, pipe smells in through the ventilation in the building uh, was part of the construction. So I totally believe this, that they're doing this. The biggest feedback, though, is that this is way more common than we think. Before we move on to that, Stephen, can I ask you a quick question? Yes, please. Because you have two sources here. Did you? Is this something that they taught you in journalism school? You have to have two sources. Yeah. I mean... Generally, yeah. Is that what I told you? Okay. Yeah, sense. you guys know I have a journalism degree? No way, really? It's right right over there on my shelf. Do you still have the AP style guide at hand? I do. It's on uh, my bookcase. Yeah. That's so funny to me. Yeah. No Oxford commas in our show descriptions, you know? That's what well, I say. unless I write them. It's true. Then I'm putting them all over the place. Or silently correct them. That's very upsetting to me. I feel like that should be illegal. Got to save space in the database, you know? Commas. <laughs> Is that... That's the real, the real, the real problem. Hey, hey, I pay our server bills each month, you know. <laughs> Every comma adds up. Not cheap to run a, a podcast network of this size. So anyways, the biggest feedback, way more common than we think. Uh, Ian, a friend of ours who we, we called Ian when we were at WWDC at a hotel one night to tell us a story about a car. Uh, he wrote in saying that Apple oh. is Wait, just... is this the Ian? The Ian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that story can't tell you oh it but let you know it was hilarious <laughs> <laughs> it was he was very confused like why are you calling me so uh he wrote in that this is very common in hotels that hotels pipe in fancy smells for, and they've been doing that for decades uh his family background is in construction and real estate and stuff and that there are specific systems that tie into the heating and, and air conditioning systems to send out fragrances into the air being pushed out by the fans okay 
this is where things get wild because Cameron, David, and Eric all wrote in with examples of companies that provide this equipment. And they'll be in the in the show notes, but I'm just going to tell you some of the names of these products because they're all fantastic. Okay. So we have Scent Air, which apparently has the contract for Disney World where they pipe in different smells into parts of Disney World. EcoScent. Aroma 360, which I think is my favorite. You can smell it all around you. Oh, I like that song. It's Entertainment 720. <laughs> it is. Aroma Designers. <laughs> and The Magic Scent. So these are just some of the companies that provide. Oh, it's The writers. Magic Scent. The Magic so, Scent. Know, it's, it's the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at this. Look at what is this professional machinery going on here? Oh, I know, and this stuff's expensive. Like, it's it, you can spend a thousand dollar on on a scent machine. Would you pay more if it was clear? Yes. <laughs> How much so, more? So, How much you more? Can, you, so you can see, you can see the, you can see the flowers being crushed inside. <laughs> wow! Can you they? Can you buy this for your home? I like, think so. I was gonna say uh, some of these are pretty small. You could probably put one in your in your home. You can buy one Maybe. with Apple Pay from the Magic Scent Aroma 360. Yeah, wow. There's one that's only $180, so this one must be for like home use, personal, right? personal use, <laughs> personal use only. Medium spaces. On the Aroma 360 page, they have a contact form and the drop down to like what type of contact you want: home scenting, business scenting, home and business scenting, private label products, and customer support. Business scenting. Business scenting. <laughs> Business scenting. I'm going to say the Aroma 360 website is maybe not very very well optimized because I just got a thing that says this page is temporarily unavailable because the device from your location is sending large amount of web requests. I went wow. to this once don't, and then went back again. The, That's the Aroma two, 360 two website, visits. man. Two visits is all, what happened, are you all doing? I did. Are you doing like a DDoS attack on them right now? I mean, Let's I must be. Uh, I'm taking them down. Sorry, Aroma360. Samples. So from the Aroma360 website, you can request a sample pack. Do it. Will they of ship what? it? Will they ship it of sense? I don't think they're going to ship it to Italy, though, because they're asking for a state. Yeah, send it to John. Just send it to John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just put John's address think? in there and see what Not happens. Not quite sure what scent is for you. Contact us today. One of our scenting experts will be in touch to guide you to the perfect scenting fragrance. Scenting experts. It's I feel like they could have really gone nose. harder on that, right? Called them like scentists or something, you know? One of our scentists <laughs> will provide you with a personalized assortment of scents from our extensive scent library. Wow. God, there's a there's a whole scene. I wish I could look at any of this, but I'm not allowed on the website. I have been banned from Aroma360. It's <laughs> a good website. I'm in right now. I can tell you they got samples. You can join the club. What is a scent club? I mean, they're is probably... it like a subscription? Yeah, they have a they have a newsletter every Friday. A scent <laughs> subscription. <laughs> there's tiers. They have a Discord can, and everything. You, you can be a standard <laughs> member or a VIP member or a Club Paris member. Ooh. Federico, genuinely, I think they've just ripped you off at this point. Mm-hmm. All the tiers. They got tiers, you know? Like, it's yeah. like a whole thing. Yeah, tiers. They got, they got blogs. There's a blog link. Do they at the have bottom. someone that does stickers? 
<laughs> Scratch and sniff. Yeah. <laughs> the three reasons why aromatherapy will transform your life. It's pretty aspirational content. The power of scenting marketing. Maybe I should put out put out some scents. Yeah. Mm. Oh the Titi. Yeah. <laughs> or the or the tea. I have a question for the two of you. I need to give a little background first. So you got tat backs and iMessage, right? So you have what are there five five six options? Hearts, thumbs up, thumbs down, ha ha, double exclamation point, and a question mark. The next yeah. to last one, I'm afraid I've been using wrong, or maybe other people use it wrong with me. I need to know how y'all use it. So I have a couple of people that I have texted with, and this just happened over the last couple of weeks, so it's been on my mind, where I will say something. So for instance, a friend of mine and his wife had a baby. They sent me some pictures. It was very lovely. And I was like, hey, congratulations. You know, this is, this is amazing. So happy for y'all. And I would have figured I would have gotten a heart tap back for that, right? I was fishing for the heart a little bit. But I got the... Double exclamation point. I've always read that tap back as a surprise. Yes. Right. So yeah. So that's what it is. Federico gets the scent package in the mail in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I would probably do like a double exclamation point, like, oh, oh, you got it. Right. And I, I send you a picture of it and I'm like, hey guys, look what just got delivered. Yeah. And it's a picture of the scents and you reply with the double exclamation right. point. Yes. But I, but I yes. feel like a few people that I've talked with recently are using it as like a, an underline or like a, like using it not in the way that I just described, not in a, a way of surprise or excitement, but a way of like saying thank you or agreeing with me somehow. And I just, I don't know what to do with it. They're wrong, right? All of these people are wrong. You should Steven. block them. You should block them. <laughs> or or yeah. what it's saying is this person was very surprised at your outpouring of emotion. It's like, I'm very surprised you have feelings. Yeah. But I wouldn't trust those people. Like, what does it say about them that they use that reaction this way? Like, if you really think about it, you know, I would be careful. Okay. If I were you. Okay. Yeah. So I, I just I was suddenly questioning my use of it, right? And that makes me feel better. No, no, no. Your your use your usage is the correct one. Okay. I mean, it's it's like it's the opposite of the question mark tap back. So if the question mark means what do you mean? What is this? The exclamation point it surely means I'm very surprised. I'm shocked. Yeah. Or whoa, wow. You know exactly. It's not a thank you. It's not a thank you. <laughs> All you need to do is imagine, like, what are the words that would come before the exclamation mark, right? Like, that's what it's filling in, right? Mm. It's so I don't have to go, whoa, I can just go exclamation mark instead. And yes. you should be able to infer. Right. I might, I might just... <laughs> I think that really now I'm kind of frustrated at myself where I could have just used this as, like, a very long con on Stephen and just... Use it randomly <laughs> to just like like just completely random things. Like you know, you say like, "Hey man," and I'll be like, "Exclamation mark!" <laughs> I could have really. I, this could have been a very long game. I could have played with you. Now I'm kind of sad that I didn't. The Discord points out that Apple calls this emphasized. So if you get it as a notification, it just says like, "So and so emphasized the message." Which I think backs up my point. 
I don't care what Apple call yeah, it. It does. Right? Like, that's that's got nothing to do with anything. Because it's not emphasizing it. Like, that's, you don't, like, that's, no, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't, I don't care what they call it. Like, it's not a reason to use it to say, like, yes, I also love this thing. You just use a heart. Like, I don't, mm. you know? They can't. It's like in the same way. If like, do, do people use every emoji the way Apple describes them? No. So otherwise, people will be buying a lot more uh, eggplants than they otherwise pretend to. You know what I mean? This episode of Connected is brought to you by Fitbod. When you want to change your fitness level, it can be hard to know where to start. That's why I'm pleased to let you know that FitBod is an easy and affordable way to build a fitness plan that's just for you. Everyone's fitness path is different, which is why FitBod uses data to make sure they customize things exactly to suit you. By using a powerful algorithm to learn about you, your goals, and your training ability, FitBod creates a custom dynamic program based on your experience and any equipment you have. This is all in an app that makes it incredibly easy to learn how to perform each exercise. Superior results are achieved when a workout program is tailored to your unique body, experience, environment, and goals. Muscles improve when working in concert with the entire muscular system, so overworking some muscles while underworking others can negatively impact your results. And that's why FitBot tracks muscle fatigue and recovery to design a well-balanced workout routine. By mixing up muscle groups, exercises, sets, reps, and weight over time, FitBot serves to strengthen you and keep your body sharp. This also keeps your gym sessions fresh and fun by mixing up your workouts with new exercises. The FitBot app is easy to use with over 1,400 HD video tutorials shot from multiple angles to make sure that learning each exercise is a breeze. And you can keep track of your achievements and personal bests with FitBot's progress tracking charts. It also integrates with your Apple Watch, Wear OS smartwatch, and apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. I love FitBod because it does a really great job at keeping up with me as I progress in my fitness or my equipment changes. FitBod is always ready to go. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive, but FitBod is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. But you can get 25% off your membership by signing up at fitbod.me connected. So go now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me connected. Once again, that's fitbod.me connected for 25% off your membership. Our thanks to FitBod for their support of the show and Relay FM. The Genius Bar is back, baby. Were you excited? I am actually. I think that's a good idea, yeah. Yeah, good idea. Uh, part of the original Apple Store concept way back in 2001. It went away in the Angela era in favor of Genius Grove, which is like a mosh pit for people with broken iPhones. You would just go in there and sit and stand and then they would find you based on what you're wearing. I hate that system. I, I hate that like, I, I hate it for the Apple employees who had to try and describe people visually. It's just like not a good mm-hmm. way to do things, you know? Right. I mean, you know, they would say, well, he's pretty tall, but he's not as tall as his coworkers. You know, you don't want that written down on an iPad at the Apple store. Yeah, which is what they'd say about you, right? The, yeah, the Genius Grove is just, is just chaotic. And you, at least I felt, and you know, I'm, I'm a little bit biased because I worked behind a Genius Bar and love the concept. It felt like 
you were kind of didn't have a place. You were kind of floating around. But two Apple stores that had one reopened and one opened uh, just this past week uh, have genius bars. So Michael Stieber ha- has uh, details on his excellent Substack, which uh, I've got links to in the show notes. He does a great job, of course, of covering Apple retail. But Tyson's Corner, which was the first Apple store, just reopened with a new design. And then Apple Battersea, which is near Mike, and I think you've you've been over there, both have Genius Bars. And they look awesome. Everything is like wood and beautiful and looks very fancy. And it seems like maybe they're coming back. And I think that's I think that's good. I think when you have a customer support issue, you should feel like you have a place in the store and you're not just kind of milling about hoping that someone finds you uh to fix your phone for you yeah i remember when the tyson's corner one happened like we were were talking about it and i was expecting that there was a possibility this was just a nostalgia thing because it was the first Mm -hmm. store right so like oh they're just re because it also is the old genius bar logo which i think is the most surprising part like they they use it they have not changed the genius bar logo it's still the same Mm. Uh, but the Battersea store is completely brand new. It's in the mall, which is below Apple's new campus in the old Battersea Power Station building. So, like, the big campus they just opened in London. This store is in the mall beneath it. And this store just looks stunning. I have not gotten to go see it yet, but I'm going to because it just looks fantastic. This is a, this, like, wood, and it's it's using the brick, which is part of the building. So, like part of the brick inside of the building is like stuff they can't touch, right? Like um, it is a protected building. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just running through the store, but just like adds this specialness to it. Like yeah. we have a few stores like this, you know, kind of like um, the one, was it in Milan, Federico, that you went to? Uh, no, I was in Rome. That was in Rome, that one? Oh, yeah. the, the, the Milan one. one's the one with the crazy waterfall, right? Yes, like, which yeah. is apparently but, leaking. Uh, oh, I heard it. I mean, of course it is. Right? Somebody like, told me that the Milan store has a, a leak problem from the fountain above. So that does not surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, like where we have stores like this, you you have stores like this where they they take emphasis and they take elements from the buildings of which the stores are built inside of, which I just think is super cool. We have that, like in the Covent Garden one, has this beautiful skylight and that kind of stuff. But yeah, this store looks awesome. I like the all wood that they're using now. They went like all like limestone for a while. And yeah. now it seems like the new design is all wood. So yeah, cool. they look they look great. And I think that, you know, over time it'll roll out. I mean, there's still stores now that have the design previous to like the Angela era with the sort of wood and the big screens and the stone floors and it takes time to turn over these locations. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of them now, but I like this new chapter and I hope that they find a way to bring genius bars to stores without doing this full redesign. So like my store here, Saddle Creek was one of the first ones to get the big like 6k display in the back. And our store actually moved from its previous location to a new location kind of across the street And I would love to see them get a genius bar without having to do a full remodel because it's not due for remodel for years and years because it is that new design with the avenues and stuff. So, but yeah, uh, exciting. And I think, um, I think a realization that, you know, some of the stuff they've tried in retail hasn't stuck or, or wasn't as good as they thought it would be. And, and I think by having some, 
physical space for certain things, I think maybe that'll restore some some feeling of order in the stores. So we will no longer be meeting at Apple. Yes, meeting at Apple is... Uh, meet at Apple. No, meet, meet at Apple. Meet at Apple. Meet me at Apple. I'll see you at Apple, Mike. See you at Apple. See you at Apple. All right, so I just wanted to mention a quick thing that I posted on Mac Stories today. It's um, I was inspired by this uh, article on 9to5Mac by Fernando Silva about this um, <laughs> silly workaround to enable this quote-unquote clamshell mode in iPadOS 17. Now, obviously, uh, iPadOS 17 does not have a real native clamshell mode. And by that, I refer to the ability to connect an iPad to an external display, close the lid on the iPad, whether you're using a... Uh, magic keyboard or a what's it called a smart folio mm-hmm. uh, and continue using uh, iPadOS on the external display by default if you connect an iPad including with iPadOS 17 nothing has changed if you connect it to an external display and you close the magic keyboard uh, the display gets locked because the iPad still does not have real clamshell uh, feature however uh Fernando came up with this idea of, which I guess has been possible before. Uh, it's been possible for even uh, with iPadOS 16, but it, but it's better to to rely on this hacky workaround in iPadOS 17 for reasons I'll mention in a minute. The idea being, well, what if you connect an iPad to an external display, and in settings under display and brightness, you disable the automatic lock and unlock feature. So that toggle in iPad, uh, in the iPad settings has existed since the days of the iPad 2. The iPad 2 was the first one to introduce the smart cover, as it was called at the time. And one of the sort of key features of the smart cover, which has carried over to the smart folio and to the magic keyboard, is automatic lock and unlock. Meaning, when you close the cover on top of the iPad display, the iPad gets locked. When you open it again, the iPad is unlocked. If you turn that off, close the iPad, and you connect it to an external display, well, the iPad is not locked. Under the closed cover, the screen is still on. So in theory, you can use that workaround to use Stage Manager on an external display with, uh, with the iPad closed, like whether you want to keep it under the display or... Uh, do what I do, I use a 12 South, what, what's the name of the thing I have, the book arc? Um, you can put the iPad with a closed magic keyboard in a stand, and so you don't have to see your iPad's display, you know, always on, on your desk. Now, obviously, this is a silly workaround, and it's not ideal, because really, it should be like a MacBook, where you connect it to an external display, and the screen turns off, and you can use your computer in clamshell mode. But in iPadOS 17, so I linked the 9to5Mac story, uh, and I offered some additional suggestions. So in iPadOS 17, there are new automation triggers. And specifically, there's a new one called um, Display Connects and Display Disconnects. So if you use this automation trigger, which is again, is new in iPadOS 17, you can now do things like when my iPad connects to an external display, turn on Stage Manager. Like, you can do that. Or in this specific instance, for this workaround, what you can do is, when my iPad disconnects from an external display, open the Settings app and take me to the specific page of Display and Brightness. 
So that I thought, if you want to rely on this workaround, when you disconnect your iPad from an external display and you open it again, I'm guessing that you probably want to enable the automatic lock and unlock behavior again. So you can run a shortcut that as soon as you remove the cable from your iPad and you open it again, you will find the settings page right there in front of you. So all you need to do is uh, flip the toggle and you will enable the lock and unlock behavior again. Again, this is a silly method and it shouldn't be like this, <laughs> but it works. And so I wrote it up on Mac Stories and I'm probably going to keep using it because it's better than, you know, keeping my iPad open on my desk. It would be so much better if they just went that one step further and made it one of the things you could toggle on and off, right? Like you can toggle on and off stage manager. Yeah. But if they were going to go to that level, then actually just do the thing. Like do the actual thing, <laughs> right? Like which is just a habit. So what I'm going to do in the meantime, because I don't think we're going to get clamshell mode no. in iPad 17, right? It no. would have been announced to WWDC. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow feedback and ask for a shortcut action to set the lock and unlock behavior yeah. so that you don't have to open the settings page yourself and tap the switch manually. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of uh, shortcuts actions already for the settings app and they're all called like set something on or off and so yeah i'm gonna follow feedback and ask for hey let me set lock and unlock with a shortcut action and at that point you will be able to automate uh this entire behavior obviously like there are so many downsides to this approach like if you use your ipad like this face id authentication will not work mm -hmm. uh you will not be able to open notification center what <laughs> because notification yeah notification uh -huh. so face id obviously the camera is covered um and you cannot use the studio display camera for face id but also in stage manager this is still an ongoing issue uh you can only see notification center on the ipad display <laughs> incredible whatever reason you can't do real notifications on an external display <laughs> So obviously not ideal, but hey, maybe you just want to do some focused work and you don't want to see your notifications, right? When you're working at a desk with an mm. iPad in quote-unquote clamshell mode mm. like this. So it's actually a feature when you think about it. Do you guys remember Evernote P? Mm, yes. Yeah. Just when Federico said smart cover, it just took me back. That was such a smart idea. It was basically like a flashcard app right that used the um the smart cover that like you would unlock it and it would give you a question like and then you'd you'd pull the whole thing back and you'd have the answer underneath that was a clever thing and as as was in the press release and everybody i just google for it and everyone must have written this from the press release uh the first smart cover app like if you google for this like it's just Mm -hmm. over and over and over again the first smart cover app is what people the first smart that. cover app that could make you smarter wasn't it the the only smart cover app <laughs> did anybody else do anything i don't think so man these were the good old days of evernote they were yeah. all, they were trying a bunch of things i think it could be argued that this was the beginning of the bad days for evernote y yes it was the beginning of the end because evernote this was followed by like they, yeah. they made all these other apps when what they should have been doing was continuing Evernote to ev like 
Yes, they also did a contact app. <laughs> yes. They did everything. And if they maybe would have just stuck to what they were what people wanted them to do, it it may, things may have gone differently for Evernote. Uh, Evernote could have been Obsidian or Notion 10 years before Obsidian and Notion. I would say more Notion than Obsidian, but more Notion. I agree with your point. Yeah. Remember when they did the thing where they brought in like news stories based on oh, your yes. note yes. content? Yeah. That was bad. I mean, really, it's just Bing, but it was too soon. We weren't ready. We weren't ready for it, you know? I wonder if they have chat GPT and Evernote now. They must, right? Yeah, I'm sure they, they must. Do. Everyone's got it. It's, it's all up in everything, you know? It's just what, it's just what you do now. You just put it in. Put it in there. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. Junk files, hung processes, and malicious apps can slow down even the latest, greatest Macs. Maintaining your Mac, whether old or new, is essential for smooth macOS performance. Clean My Mac X is an all-in-one Mac maintenance tool that takes care of old junk, faulty apps, and malware in an efficient, aesthetically pleasing, and hassle-free way. Clean My Mac X has this really cool menu bar app that you can use to monitor your Mac's health, CPU load, and more. Clean My Mac X has enjoyed nearly 30 million downloads, and with 15 years of expertise, the team behind this has made Clean My Mac X a must-try for any Mac user. Run Clean My Mac X to gear up your Mac for the groundbreaking additions announced at this year's WWDC. I just put Sonoma on a test machine. Desktop widgets? Very good. As Apple continues to pack Macs with innovative features, Clean My Mac X ensures that your hardware remains healthy and running at peak performance. One of my favorite things about Clean My Mac X is how many tools they've packed into this app, but they've made it so easy to use. Not only is it beautiful, but it's very clear and simple to use. You know just what it's doing. The UI really is fantastic. All connected listeners get 5% off Clean My Mac X. Check out the link in the show notes or go to macpaw.app slash connected. That's macpaw.app slash connected for 5% off. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of the show and Relay FM. We are marking a really, to me, <laughs> amazing and important milestone. Uh, this week marks 10 years since we have been podcasting together. Uh, a little bit of history for those who, who may not have been with us that long. Mike and I, way back in the day, had a show called The 512 Podcast. It was basically just like a show kind of based around Apple and what I was writing at 512 Pixels. And in the summer of 2013, we knew that it was time to expand the show. And uh, I will let Mike tell the story about getting uh, talking Federico into this. But our first episode of The Prompt, which is the precursor to Connected, it uh, it published 10 years ago this week. And that's been an amazing ride. And we can talk about how that's changed. But I want to hear uh, Federico and Mike how... Uh, how we got this this crazy Italian dude on the show? I had the desire to create like a panel show. Um, it's something that I'd wanted to do for a really long time. And I know that me and you, Stephen, had spoken about it. And we felt like we could bring something different to what was around at the time. Like they just, it, it sounds so strange to imagine that there weren't panel shows talking about Apple, but there was like a couple. 
and they'd been around for at that for those shows at that time had all been around for a long time so we felt like there was actually the ability for a new show like this to exist and so we were kind of talking about it and, and you know we had both known federico like we knew each other en- enough right like we weren't all talking very frequently but we had like a mutual respect for each other um, like, cause uh, the reason I know this is because I reached out to Federico over Twitter DM to ask him to be a part of the show. Yes. This wasn't the first time that I'd tried to like convince Federico to become a podcaster. Like I I'd tried to get Federico to start a show with me, I think before and he mm-hmm. was hesitant and you can speak about your hesitancy, Federico, but we, um, we ended up like I pitched him the idea that we had and what we were looking to do with the show and what, you know, like what me and Steven wanted him to come on board and like us to make together. And then that became the prompt on 5x5 five five at the time. Yeah, I remember being hesitant at the time because I wasn't I was really um, unsure because of my accent, uh, whether I'd be able to do a full podcast in English and and i was really uh, i was really second guessing my every decision at the time because i was fine with you know writing uh on a website but having people listen to me i felt very un- uncertain whether i would sound good or be able to carry on a full conversation for like 90 minutes and i think the first time you asked i said no and then you came back i think the following year and uh and and i think like obviously Sylvia encouraged me. She was like, "You should do it. You should do it." And uh, and yeah, I said yes. And and I remember we started planning the name of the show on Facebook Messenger. Oh my we, god! Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and we had we had this group chat on Facebook yeah. Messenger, and I believe it was Stephen that came up one day. And he, this went on for like days. And we were just throwing names around. And then Steven came up with the prompt. I don't remember, like, we were... At one point, maybe we suggested, like, the spotlight or something similar. And we suggested six colors. No. I remember that was part of the conversation. Oh, my God. That's funny. Yeah. We could have taken it. Could have been ours. Yeah. In a parallel universe, uh, we are the Six Colors podcast. And Jason uh, runs the prompt. welcome to the six colors podcast (laughs) (laughs) hi jason (laughs) that's my damn Warren impression but that's good that's good so yeah that's that's uh i was really uh, i uh, my accent was really strong and 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 thick at the time and if you go back and listen to those episodes I hope it's. I hope my my English has gotten better over the years, both in the spoken form and the written form. That should be the goal. Um, but yeah, at the time I was like, yeah, I'm gonna sound stupid, you know. And then I think Mike, uh, you convinced me like you should own it, and it, it, like mm-hmm. it's it's something that makes you sound different and interesting. And I guess you were right. I also think one of the things that like why the show worked why it was different is that we all did come from different places and like yeah you know it's a thing that we obviously have leaned into a lot over time but yes like, that is what made us different 
like then is that we were three people from different places and like Federico and I especially at the time were very focused on the fact that we were not American and like that was important to me and was important to him I mean we still are (laughs) yeah but like it's something that I don't feel like we necessarily I don't I don't care about that the way that I used to but like then it was it was it was something I cared about because I felt like it was being able to talk about things from a different perspective, especially with technology, because we didn't always get everything and we still don't. But like it it was a thing that I felt there wasn't enough non American voices at the time in our space. So I really think those those that concept of different places, uh I think it also applied to like where we were with tech. I mean very often uh, just on opinion based things Federico and I kind of end up on opposite sides of things and Mike is somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. the you know he's the meat of the connected sandwich if you will I sure am yeah and and I think that through like the dynamic of our personalities and our backgrounds not only of where we're from but our professional backgrounds right we all come from sort of different uh, backgrounds and what we focus on in education and what we did before all of this, I think all of that kind of leads to some really interesting conversations. And one thing that I'm so thankful for when I think about those, those early days of the prompt and even as we moved into Relay FM and Connected, that it really took all three of us and our backgrounds and our opinions on things like make this work. And I think that there are a lot of people out there who uh, very thankfully listen week in and week out, even when there's not a lot of Apple news or exciting rumors to talk about. There's not, you know, we're not reviewing something new because I think we've been able to shift into uh, a show that is really driven by the three of us personality wise. And some weeks the Apple news takes a back seat. That was not something I would have guessed 10 years ago that we that, you know, that was even a thing that we could do because I think a lot of the shows that were out there at the time, like MacBook Weekly, have a rotating panel of guests. They still do to this day, right? So sort of the the long-term chemistry of the show is hard to build when that changes, you know, when the, the host lineup changes at week to week. And that's something that I'm, I'm very thankful for. And I, I don't know how intentional it was. It certainly in the early days was not that intentional for my part, at least. But we've been able to build on that and make something that I think people enjoy listening to, even when we're not talking about the latest and greatest out of Cupertino. Do you remember when we said the previously on? Yes. <laughs> it was a great idea. One of the ideas was that the prompt would have a lot of segments. Previously on the prompt. Follow up. Homework. Weekly picks. And that lives on an upgrade much more than connected. Yes, actually. So 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 one of the things I think we do we do well, and I don't mean this to sound like like, you know, this self celebration of sorts. I mean that's what this is to a degree. So I mean this is what it is. You know what you know, you know what? Whatever. It is what it is. You should love us. We're the best. And so <laughs> but I think what so one of the things we do well, and hear me out, because this is actually like a serious argument. I think a lot of other shows are obsessed with sounding serious and professional, which is a good thing. Yeah. And I think what, what, what we do well is we're not afraid to sound stupid or silly 
Yeah. Because I think it makes for great entertainment. And we, sometimes we say things that other people will be like, oh, no, I cannot be heard saying <laughs> such a thing. And I, and I feel like that resonates with people. Because, like, let's face it. Like, we're all a little stupid in life sometimes. And, and it's good, right? You cannot be, mm-hmm. you know, so tied up all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I feel like that's that's what makes the show approachable and entertaining for people. And and I think it shows like w- we received over the years so many wild um, messages and DMs, like pieces of feedback from people who listen. I mean, remember when we asked like, who's the uh, what was it like the weirdest listener or something like that? Um, uh, yeah, the where, where we were trying to find the. <laughs> The person who was fur- the furthest away. <laughs> That's what yeah. we were going for. Yeah, and so and I feel like you oh, know no, that not furthest a- away. Sorry, the the person who was the most likely to be the only person in their country that listened. Yeah, yes. That's what yes. we were trying to do. Yes, and and then we asked people to measure their thighs, and you know we've done <laughs> things. So I think that resonates with people and. And, you know, I guess if there's a lesson to take away from this is that it's also like keep keeping a schedule and showing up every single week. Yep. You know, we've been doing this for 10 years and I'm pretty sure that, you know, the, the three of us, like each each of us individually, we've probably skipped episodes less than 20 times each. Mm-hmm. We've shown up for most of the episodes for 10 years and I think that turns uh, that's how you turn a podcast into in a way sort of like a family member for people you know it's something relatable that you can that you can rely on that it's there for you when you're doing your dishes or walking the dog or commuting whatever and so yeah it's the it's the best time every single week the the one last thing that I wanted to make sure I said today is like this the prompt was was important to me because it was th- you know, at that point, the most popular thing that I'd been a part of, like from a regular basis, like I think that, you know, I owe a lot of what I do now. I mean, and we could talk a little bit more about that in general in a minute, but like I owe a lot of what I do now, a lot of just every podcast that I do comes from, I think from this one, like, you know, I, I date a lot of it back. It can go further. You can draw a line between all of it and, you know, interviewing people, et cetera, et cetera, is like a thing that opened a lot of doors for me. But without the prompt, I'm not sure I will be where I am now because it it opened people up to kind of me and my thoughts and that kind of stuff. So it was, it was very important. Yeah, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that this show changed all of our lives, mm-hmm. right? It, it The prompt took off in a way that I don't think any of the three of us expected. And, you know, some of the original ideas we had in that show, like, you know, we were going to have guest people reporting on things like some of that didn't pan out, but the chemistry worked. And I, I don't think I'm overstating it to say that the prompt success helped us feel confident about launching Relay FM, you know, about a year and a half later. And the prompt became connected. We know one of the five shows we launched with, but for me, at least, it showed me that, oh, we can like do this the way that we do it and be successful at it. And Connected was a huge part of the Relay's early success and 
which led to to Mike and I both quitting our jobs within a year of of starting the network. And Mike quit his job basically immediately. Uh, I took a little bit longer. It it, it changed us. It, it changed our lives. And but more importantly than that, as important as that is, and as thankful as I am for that, what I'm most thankful for is that the three of us now have a bond. You know, regardless of what happens in the show, and I'm going to do the show until we're we're old and can't do it anymore. Like that is my plan is to do connected forever. But even if we can't, the three of us have formed a friendship that I, uh, I truly treasure. I mean, I got to be Mike's best man in, in your wedding. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the three of us talk about so much more than tech behind the scenes, right? We're involved in each other's lives, even though we only see each other once a year or a little bit more often. And that is so important to me. And I, and I treasure y'all and our friendship that, and that that goes way deeper than just showing up every Wednesday and, and talking about stuff for an hour and a half. <sighs> emotions. Okay, enough emotions. What I want to do is do a round robin talking about some of our favorite Apple stories that have happened in the 10 years of doing this show. And I had this thought a few weeks ago and we talked about it. I will say this was way harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> We've talked about a lot of stuff. And I'm sure like looking through this list, none of us mentioned the uh, Apple Watch launch, which is wild because Federico got to go to the 2015 one. But uh, lots of things have happened and uh, we're just going to round robin some some of our favorites. So Federico, why don't you go first? Um, uh, my first pick is the introduction of the original iPad Pro. I believe that was 2015. And if memory serves, so the iPad Pro was introduced at a September event and it was pre-announced, um, saying that it was a brand new device in the iPad family, but it wouldn't come out until November. And so I remember just watching this event and this was the same year uh, of iOS 9, which I'm going to also cover later. And, and it felt like a real sort of this this realization of a dream that I had. Like finally, Apple is sort of acknowledging the iPad as a uh, device for productivity, and they're making an iPad Pro. And I was so excited. And imagine my reaction when mo- two months later, Apple invited me to London to get a, a review unit for the very first iPad Pro. Um, and so, to me, this for me, this is a special moment in terms of Apple stories because I got to review the iPad Pro, like I, uh, and it was my first big like embargoed review. And it was not my first Apple review unit because Apple gave me a few months before that an iPhone six plus. That was my first review unit, but it was not under like the uh, September embargo. They gave me an iPhone 6 Plus, I believe in the spring of 2015. So this was my second Apple review unit, but it was my first time with like an actual day one embargo review. And so I, I felt like a realization of like something that I was, you know, I've been working toward for a long time. And obviously the iPad Pro as a device in and of itself, like I was so happy that that finally there was going to be like a bigger, more powerful iPad and the magic, uh, no, it was not called the magic keyboard, the smart keyboard and the first generation Apple Pencil, like it was wild. But for me personally, this was also the first time I met Mike in real life. 
<laughs> because when I told Mike, mm-hmm. uh, so the plan for the day, and I mean, I guess it's fine to talk about this stuff now. It's been eight years. So the plan for the day was that um, I had, uh, my day had been arranged and scheduled so that I would get from, I would go from Rome to London, go to the Apple offices, and then immediately go back. Like same day, back and forth, Rome to London, London to Rome. And I would bring back an iPad Pro. And so I met Mike and Gray in real life for the first time. Oh my God, I forgot Gray came. Gray yes. was there. Gray yeah. was there. And if you recall, uh, just uh, uh, at one point we were just making conversation and I just, uh, I touched Gray's Apple Watch. And you went like, <gasps> <laughs> I just naturally, because it's like... Uh, I remember Gray had like a stainless steel. He had the uh, link bracelet. Yeah, the link bracelet. I was like, oh, that's cute. But the it was the black one. It was the DLC, the black DLC coated one. And I touched it. Yeah, you were not expecting, I guess, the physical contact there. Um, but I met you for the first time right outside the Apple offices in London before my briefing. So that was before my briefing. And then um, you guys waited for me for after the briefing and technically I was under NDA but I showed you the iPad Pro as soon as I walked out of the Apple offices I have and a picture of you on a train showing it to me yes yes <laughs> you 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 took me uh you 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 came with me on the train to Paddington I believe and then I went all the oh, way Oh I took you to the airport You took me to the airport not to yeah, Paddington I took you to the airport to yeah, the airport, nice, you, yeah. nice, mm-hmm. yeah, good friend. Uh, and yeah, we were playing around with the iPad Pro. We were doing the setup on the train. And then I came back home and I had the iPad Pro and I had six days to put out a review and I was so nervous. But yeah, that was, it's one of my favorite moments of my career, getting the first iPad Pro and meeting you for the first time, same day. And of course, months later, uh, June 2016, we will go to our first WWDC together. Like me and you together. Yeah, you broke the seal, right? Like making that trip over was all you needed to do because I could take you the rest of the way. I mostly remember the first iPad because we recorded an episode and I don't remember why, but we ended up recording at like 6 a.m. my time. Why? Like, <laughs> on like, I think like on a Saturday or something. It was very unusual for us. Maybe it was even a Sunday. Very strange, but uh, I will always remember that one as the connected I recorded. <laughs> the wee hours of the morning. So uh, for me, I went back to the introduction of the iPhone 6 Plus Mm. in the fall of 2014, which created the Plus Club and sparked the idea of Mike was right uh, because I decided to go big and everyone thought I was silly and then everybody sold their small iPhones and got the big iPhones. And obviously Plus Club for us was a big thing for a really long time. And we held down that for, for, I think, Stephen, you, I don't even remember. What size is your phone now? It's the big one. You have, you have the big yeah. one? Because you went to small, for you You flip-flops, so you go backwards and forwards. All the time. Uh, then, like, the, the iPad Pro thing was fun for me, too, because I remember in, this was when I was in the, in, in, like, engrossed by the idea of being right all the time. 
uh, which obviously I don't think about anymore. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> I just don't call so much attention to it anymore. Was that I predicted that the 12.9 inch iPad Pro or a bigger iPad Pro or a bigger iPad, as we maybe called it then, would be introduced alongside the iPhone that September. Because it was like a thing that we thought would come. And I was like, I think it will come then because most people will be watching the iPhone event and they will introduce it then. Yeah. And I remember that being like a, a good prediction of mine before we did a game. Yeah, that event was bananas because they had the 6S and the 6S Plus, the iPad Pro, like the future of TV is apps. That was that Apple TV in there. It was, it was a huge. big keynote. And I think that was why people did like thought that they would do the iPad in an iPad event like they used to because yeah. like it was expected this was already going to be a pretty big keynote anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think they did it for that reason of like they wanted to make sure that people saw it and people yeah. did see it. And these days, this is just an expectation, right? If Apple has something new, they put it alongside the iPhone because you'll you'll be watching. Yeah, I think that the uh, the Apple Watch was one of the first ones of those the year before. You know, they've got the biggest limelight when the iPhone is there. So why not share it when they want to? Mine is when Apple started adding emoji mid-cycle. And I think it was iOS 8.3 was the first time this happened. If it happened in iOS 7, I can't find definitive proof online. But whenever they started doing that, we started talking about it. And right, Apple does it as a way to encourage people to upgrade to the new OS. And a couple years after that, we started what became the Jeremy's which is just one of the, the the many silly games we play on this show. And the Jeremy's, of course, is when Federico has to guess the names of the upcoming emoji. You go into like an emoji media blackout, which I find very funny each year. Like John has to post all the emoji stories for a while. So you can't, you're not yes. involved, which I just love. But the Jeremy's is uh, one of those things, again, of many that came out of the idea that Federico, I think you said so well, it's like, we're not afraid to be silly and sometimes dumb on this show, right? This is such a ridiculous game, but it brings me so much pleasure every year. Some of the best jokes come from the Jeremy's. I mean, Federico and I have matching tattoos because of the Jeremy's that Mike refuses to get. It's just one of the best examples to me of, of that silliness that we're willing to, to dive into. Uh, now kind of I'm, I'm moving on to something that's more kind of like in general as opposed to um, something related to us and the show specifically. Uh, so for one of mine is Apple's services growth. So like their whole from music to Apple TV plus to the app store and antitrust. I think that this whole bucket of stuff has sparked so much interesting conversation over the last 10 years. And I do think that it has the ability to show some of Apple's worst traits. Mm-hmm. But I think that that makes it very interesting to talk about at the same time. So I, I think like over the last 10 years, this has been one of the things that I've been the, personally the most interested in is like how Apple have changed as the iPhone has peaked and started to stabilize, mm-hmm. like slow down, I guess you could say, but like the growth isn't there anymore. So they've had to change and the way that they have changed has been sometimes good and sometimes bad, but all in all very interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that clearly as like services backfilling iPhone growth that used to be there, but 
if you pay attention to how they talk, like in all the quarterly reports and all the work Jason and, and John and others do to, to cover those, services is where their growth is now. And that chart just mm-hmm. keeps going up and up and up. And I think that it being kind of where Apple shows their worst traits is spot on. I mean, when you talk to um, to sort of a bunch of Apple nerds, right, this is where they're most uncomfortable with the company. I think including the three of us at times. Oh, yeah. But, but I will say I have been really pleased with how good most of these services are. Like Fitness Plus is great. TV Plus has some amazing content on it. Others aren't as good. You know, Apple News should just be burned to the ground and <laughs> started over. But on the whole, I think they've done a better job at this than people would have given them credit for, even when they had like their big announcement back in 2019, that that event where they had all the, the actors on stage. But I think they've proven that they can move oh, into this go area. go back further well. than that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back further than that. The beginning of TV, what was it called? Uh, uh, Planet of the Apps and Carpool Karaoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's bad news. Bad, bad, that was bad times. Bad news. <laughs> bad times. I watched one episode. Of, yeah, I think uh, we reviewed Planet an episode on the show. I'm like, this is terrible. And that was all I ever watched. Yeah, and, and to their credit, they hired really good people in a lot of these areas. And it's, and it's, it's shown. They had to make the bad shows to hire the good people. Mine for this round is the announcement of the iPhone 10 back in 2017. It was interesting because we were able to talk about this product for a long time before it came out, right? The idea of a full screen iPhone had been around in the rumor mill for quite a while. And when they launched it, they obviously had to rework a lot of how iOS operates, right? Leaning more into gestures because they got rid of the home button putting more functionality in the previously known sleep-wake button. I think now they call it the side button. But anytime Apple radically reworks their most popular product, it's fascinating. Right Back in the iPod days, they did it all the time. Right, like The iPod mini is the best-selling thing ever, replace it with the iPod Nano. And the iPhone 10 not only did that, it, it immediately made all other iPhones look old, But it also set the chart for probably the 10 years after that. And what we have now in the iPhone 14 line is even an evolution over the iPhone 10. But such a big change in direction is always exciting and interesting. And the iPhone 10 uh, was a fantastic phone. I think all of us loved it. And it's kind of hard to believe that it's been so long that it was 2017. But... I just remember the excitement around that phone and talking about it and reviewing it on the show and on our various websites and everything else uh, was such a big deal and just a very interesting, exciting product. I opened the press release that you put in the show notes to add to the notes and I'm, I still find myself struck where when I see the name and I can never remember initially, was it 10 or was it X? Like I, I know it's one of them. But, like, which one was it? Mm-hmm. It was 10, It's very right? funny to see that. Yeah, it was, it was 10. 10. Yeah. They never stopped giving them numbers. They just wanted to, for two rounds, Yeah, just represent that differently. 10S was maybe the worst iPhone name. Yes. Pretty yes. bad. All right. So, my, um, my next pick is something that I uh, mentioned before. Um, the introduction of iOS 9. 
I really loved that period, like that 2015 time period, both for hardware and software. It was really a, 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 a great period to cover Apple and it sort of um, matched my interests at the time. I, I was just getting started with, you know, um, trying to use the iPad as my main computer and I had an iPad Air, like the second generation iPad Air at the time as my main device. And we got iOS 9 at WWDC. And again, this was before I would start going to WWDC in person. So I was following from home. Just this idea of finally being able to multitask on an iPad and having split view and slide over, the first version of that. Uh, that was before drag and drop. That was before the dock. Um, sort of that would come later with iOS 11. Uh, all those interactions that are still with us today, uh, even though they're kind of different because of Stage Manager. iOS 9 was the regular, like the, the very first version of Split View, where you would um, drag down from the right side of the status bar on your mm -hmm. iPad, and you would get an app picker, like you would get a, a, a vertical list of apps to put in Split View. There was slide over that would let you open another app, and that was before multiple apps in slide over. You would only you could only do one app in slide over at a time, so it was very limited compared to what would happen with iOS 11 and the kind of new multitasking we would get with iPadOS 13 and obviously iPadOS 16 last year. Uh, but it was great. It felt like the beginning of something new. And you could tell that was the same WWDC when Apple would talk about size classes on iPads. Yeah. And they were talking like you should accommodate for apps, you know, for your apps being big and small. And everybody was like, eh, maybe this rumor of a bigger, uh, you know, bigger iPad is actually is actually true. And it was one of those cases where Apple is announcing software features at WWDC and they are clearly optimizing for future hardware. So... Uh, and also iOS 9, that was when I, because of this excitement, it's when I started doing my annual hmm. Mac Stories reviews for iOS only at the time. iPadOS did not exist, but iOS 9 was my first sort of proper the Mac Stories review in September. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, it's, it's how it all began. But you'd done other long form things before, right? Yes, but it was not. They were never labeled as the Mac Stories review. It was always like an editorial piece with a specific angle or a specific sort of area of focus. Or quite literally, the editorial thing you did, which was, <laughs> a, was you write the the book, right? An editorial, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great app, great app. But yeah, this was the first sort of iOS nine the Mac Stories review. Yeah, I'm looking at something you'd wrote for iOS six. Man, look at these screenshots. Yeah. What a time. iOS 8, I did something too the year before, all about extensions. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. iOS 8 was when Apple uh, announced Swift 2014. Yep. I, I Swi remember. Swift is going to be 10 next year. That's wild. <laughs> wild. Yeah. <laughs> totally, yep. totally nuts. Yeah. I mean, the iOS 9, iPad Air 2, that kind of era really was exciting for the iPad because. It was clear from the beginning the iPad Air 2 was massive overkill. And even though split view in hindsight wasn't the best form of iPad multitasking, it was exciting that you could do it at all, 
right? And I think it was only the iPad Air 2 at first. Just a very exciting time for iPad users. And that meant an exciting time for the show. This episode is made possible by Electric. When leading your small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours to onboard a new employee, which you're well equipped to deal with, but there's better ways to spend your time. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they're on hand to help with time-consuming parts of your business, like standardizing device security with best-in-class device management software, so you can implement best practices across the board and be ready to scale. And employee onboarding and offboarding done for you, saving an average of eight hours per request. Plus, Electric will help you keep a single point of visibility into your IT environment to control your devices, networks, and applications with simplified reporting that allows you to achieve and maintain compliance and proactive IT recommendations and automated workflows that make IT easy to manage for even non-technical users. If you're hearing this and the gear company could use some of these services, but you're not sure where to start, Electric's experts will guide you through the process of establishing standardized IT processes for your organization. With starting a small business, you're doing everything yourself, but as you grow, you need to be able to delegate these things to people who are best equipped to handle them. Because you, as the business owner, you need to go focus on what made it great in the beginning. It's a lesson that we've all learned as business owners, and Electric can be that solution for you for your IT needs. For connected listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash connected. That's electric.ai slash connected. Go there now for your free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of Connected and Relay FM. All right, round three, I'm going to pick the Mac moving to Apple Silicon. So this is a more recent one. And it, it ties in nicely with something Mike has a little bit later. But the best Macs ever are being made right now. And it's because Apple can take the technology they perfected for the iPhone and iPad, all the best parts of the iPhone and iPad hardware experience, and brought them to the Mac. So incredible energy efficiency, amazing battery life. Not everything has made it over. Uh, <coughs> you know, cellular Macs, still something a lot of us want. But they've been able to really make the hardware shine. And there's a software story as well. It's opened the door to iOS and iPadOS developers in conjunction with Swift and Swift UI and Mac Catalyst, other technologies. But it's opened the door to Mac development for people who were really turned off by it before or because it was so different, they just weren't able to, to spend the, the time to, to learn things like AppKit and Objective-C. And so... Really, the Mac moving to Apple Silicon and the software story of bringing macOS, iOS, and iPadOS closer together under the hood kind of put those things together. And what we've been able to get out of this are the best Macs ever. And as a uh, a Mac fan and a, a primarily a Mac user, that has just been really exciting to me to see. And I think the last two and a half, three years of of Macs have just been outstanding each in their own way and i would say by and large with no downsides mm -hmm. right like i think 
there are edge cases where people would say, but what about external GPUs? And I would just tell you that it's not a problem for like 99% of Mac users. And if now anything, the GPUs in current Macs, as we're seeing now, better than what they was before. So by a long shot. So yeah, for most people, right? The, I mean, Intel's integrated graphics just couldn't keep up with a lot of stuff. And yeah, Apple's, I guess, leaving some people out in the cold with the Mac Pro, but that's a uh, just a tiny, tiny, tiny part of the market. For the rest of us, it's all upside. All right. So um, this does not have like a specific year. It's more like sort of the, uh, about the evolution of one of the Apple services, and it's the evolution of Apple Music. So Apple Music came out in was relaunched after the Beats Music acquisition in 2015. Uh, but I really want to point out the evolution of Apple Music, the service, uh, because of two features that I feel like are still unmatched by the competition. And that is real-time lyrics, time-synced lyrics, and the lossless and high-res lossless music playback. I guess other services have lossless playback. Amazon Music HD has it. But I feel like the combination of how it's done in Apple Music, where you can choose between lossless and high-res lossless, plus the optional availability of, of spatial audio. I really don't feel I really don't think that from, from an audio perspective, other music streaming services are even close to what Apple is doing. And the time synced lyrics are really best in class in terms of what Apple Music does. Um, started off that you know Apple Music had lyrics and then it became real-time lyrics. And then they added the ability to share little snippets of lyrics uh, from Apple Music itself. I believe that was a couple of years ago. And as of last year, they've done the karaoke style, like Apple Music Sing, like on top of real-time lyrics. And that Sing feature is even expanding this year on tvOS with integration for the continuity camera. So if you care about lyrics and, and audio quality, and like having options, I guess, in terms of audio quality. I really feel like the evolution of Apple Music as a, as a music streaming service is unmatched in the rest of the music industry. And even though I have my, I have my problems with the Apple Music app for iPhone, iPad, and the Mac, like the app is not great, but the service is. It's why I keep coming back to it. And it's getting even better later this year. It's going to have a native support for credits. So uh, album and song credits will become a native Apple Music feature. So I just find this, this whole evolution of the service very remarkable and so ahead of really anything that Spotify, for example, is doing at the moment. Don't, don't forget about Apple Music Voice. <laughs> it's true. What's, <laughs> what's Apple Music Voice? The voice only plan. Yeah, I wondered if, yeah, the voice only plan, the Siri only plan. Oh, yes, the Siri only plan. I only remember it because it's in the, the calendar next year. Uh, <laughs> it just pops into my head every now and then. Oh, yeah, yeah, that exists. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's kind of under the radar for a lot of people. I mean, there's been so much progress on Apple Music compared to what they did or or even were able to do back in the iTunes store days, right? That was much more about having the biggest collection eventually they made it drm free and different pricing models for different songs and singles and that stuff but i think that apple's love for music which the the company says repeatedly right that that 
uh, the music is uh, music is something they really care about. I think it's more evident now than ever that this is a, an area not only for services growth, but like they want to ba- make the best music experience because they really care about it. And that's led to some weird products, you know, some weird features in Apple Music. It's definitely led to some weird hardware and the first HomePod and, and the AirPods Max, perhaps. The iPod Hi-Fi? It's clear to me they, they really care. iPod Hi-Fi, yeah. That's where I thought you were going with that, rather than the original. Well, I was, I was thinking more in the modern era, but yes, the iPod Hi-Fi, also weird. Okay. <laughs> but good. Weird, but good. Speaking of weird, but good, Mm-hmm. I want to talk about iOS 7. Good? Yeah, it was good. It was what we wanted. Whether the execution was perfect doesn't make a difference. Everybody wanted flat design. That was what we wanted. It was death to skeuomorphism. We wanted flat design. Everyone was like, look what Microsoft are doing. They're making the type of apps that we want on iOS. That was what we were talking about. All the way back in 2013, they had their Metro design, and it was really intriguing. People wanted all of those textures stripped right out of their apps, and that's what happened. And oh boy, did it. (laughs) It really went. It was also the first operating system that we got to talk about because this show started just Mm -hmm. after the iOS 7 WWDC. I think it was a wild and beautiful disaster and triumph all wrapped into one. That WWDC had one of the most awesome videos that Apple ever made, which is the intro video, um, where they they talk about their design principles and gave a kind of a tease for what the operating system was going to look like. It's also the groundwork for the design principles that we still see today. Like, it hasn't really moved much further in like practical terms obviously if you put these two things together one looks modern which we have now and ios 7 looks sparse everything looks really sparse and empty but we haven't seen a change since like we got from six to seven and we probably won't like i think maybe vision os is like the the biggest departure even though it's like it's still got those kind of flat ideas, there is like the whole spatial thing and what that's going to mean is probably going to be the biggest change that we that we will see for the next probably 10 years in what interface design might be for Apple's platforms. Um, but iOS 7 was was great and wild and terrible and brilliant, and it was super fun to talk about. I think in hindsight, history is going to be kinder toward iOS 7 than... A lot of us were at the time. And it showed Apple's willingness to listen to feedback. I mean, those first builds of iOS 7, some of it was downright impossible to use and read, right? They, 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 they dialed it a little too far and they've backed off of it in different areas. But especially in those early days of iOS 7, they were willing to make changes. And I think that that was uh, really encouraging to see and It is amazing to me that 10 years later, iOS 7, yeah, parts of it look dated, I think mostly because of the typeface, but the bones they put together way back then were so good that they're still around now. That's impressive to me. I mean, the story goes, right? They didn't actually have a lot of time before, Mm -hmm. like, because it was when Johnny Ive took over as chief creative officer, or was that a different time? I No, it wasn't then. It was when he became like head of all design right they reorganized yeah, after forstall was was out yes and so and they moved software design under him 
they had way less time than they would normally, which is why I think like it shipped one way and then it ended up evolving quite heavily. Like, you know, the biggest one was the typeface, right? Like, yeah. What, whatever it was they used initially. Did they initially use Helvetica? No, no, no. Yes, they did. No, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was before San Francisco by quite a, quite a bit. They also used Helvetica as a system font in like one version of Mac OS. It was very, very strange. But I mean, like the, the beta one version, the text weight was very, very thin and it made things very hard to read. Yes. But by the shipping version, they'd change it. So lots of things like that got changed. All right. So my final pick is the workflow acquisition by Apple. Mm. So that was 2017. Uh, workflow had been out for uh, three years at the time, two two and a half years or something like that. And it, I remember when the news hit, I believe you, Mike, or John, texted me a link to a TechCrunch story saying, hey, Workflow has been acquired by Apple. That whole day, I remember, it, it, I'm looking at this story right now. Apple acquires Workflow on Mac Stories. And I posted it at 1.14 a.m. So that was a long day for me. And a few days later, I you know, took, took, took my time to write about sort of three possible scenarios for workflow as an Apple app. And it wouldn't be until the following year. So I'm looking now at my iOS 12 review from 2018. So a year has passed. I wrote in the introduction of the shortcuts chapter of my review, I had no idea that even the best possible scenario would turn out to be not optimistic enough. Uh, my optimistic scenario was that Apple was going to integrate workflow into iOS and you know maintain workflow as a, as a first-party app. I had no idea it would become shortcuts and it would become like this key feature of Siri um, integrated you know iPhone and iPad and years later on Mac OS 2. Yeah. So so that that acquisition was sort of like just like the iPad Pro, sort of like an acknowledgement, something that I've been doing for a long time that I and tons of other people like me have been doing for a long time this idea of like using automation on a touch device, you know, these old concepts from the era of automator of Apple script on the Mac, a new spin on those ideas. Um yeah, it felt like an acknowledgement of all of that. And it felt, I got to say, it felt very good. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, obviously, I remember, like, the first period in 2017, it was very concerning. Like, are, this, are they just going to shut this down and acquire these people? Um, yeah. But they showed immediately. You know, Apple kept updating workflow on the App Store in 2017. And then it became shortcuts in iOS 12. And yeah, so this is a uh, one of one of the one of the one of my favorite stories from the past ten years for sure. It was a roller coaster. Yes, yes, it was. And so is my next one, which is Apple losing its way with laptops and then finding it again in glorious fashion. So I have a few, like I have like four parts from 2015 to 2022 of this. So, like, the thing that I was initially thinking about is one of, like, I think one of the most exciting leaks that we've seen in modern times was when Mark Gurman had every detail about the 12-inch MacBook, basically. Mark Gurman's still a 9-to-5 Mac. This was, he was at 9-to-5 then, 
Um, I, I don't know if he was there for much longer after this. Mm. I don't remember. that This was 2015. Um, and this was one of those leaks, kind of like the iPhone 4 in that way of like, even with the information, things about it just felt like there's no way it was going to be this case, right? Of like, it's going to have one USB-C port. It's just like, that doesn't make any sense. How are they going to make that work? Well, it didn't work. There were, that was a wild story. We then went the next year to the introduction of the touch bar on the butterfly keyboard. Yeah. Then, so that's 2016. We then go all the way to 2020 <laughs> to the introduction of the first M1 laptops. It's like the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro, right, with M1? Mm-hmm. And I think by this point, they had fixed the keyboard. But then in this 2020 version, they did a whole new one, right, anyway. So, like, they were still using Butterfly. They were, like, revising, 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 and then they got rid of it. Yeah, the, the MacBook Pro, the the six, remember that, that last round of Intel MacBook Pros, there was a 16-inch kind of out of nowhere? That fixed the keyboard, but the Butterfly keyboard hung on to the MacBook Air until it went M1. So that 2016 one, did they get rid of the butterfly keyboard? That that sorry, no, that that 16 inch MacBook Pro you're talking about? Yes, it, oh. it went back to the good keyboard. Okay, um, and then kind of it rounds out, I think, to the first M2 fully Apple Silicon designed laptops like the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro, which I guess the MacBook Pro is technically M1, the M1 Pro, blah, blah, blah. but these were the ones where it's like, okay, take what. Apple Silicon can be and make a computer based around that. And so everything is like thinner, lighter, more ports, um, no fans, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that whole time period really felt like Apple was moving away from the Mac. And there was a lot of conversation about what that might mean. And is the iPad going to be the future or is Apple just distracted by something else? But in the years since, I think they've proven over and over that the Mac isn't going anywhere. Like you wouldn't do the Apple Silicon transition if you weren't serious about this platform moving forward. And I look back at that time period that you outlined so well. It's like those really, really were dark years for, for Mac users, in particular notebook users who are, of course, the majority of people now. And I'm glad they pulled out of it. And like I said with my Apple Silicon pick a few minutes ago, the best Macs we've had ever are coming out of the company now that just a few years ago, it was questionable if they cared at all. My last one was podcast coming to the Apple watch. This happened at WBDC 2018. We uh, will remember it forever because Tim Cook stood in front of our artwork for connected. The original connected artwork was featured in the keynote in the podcast app for Apple watch. I think I can say this. You, Usually you get some sort of heads up that your artwork's going to show up somewhere because you have to sign a release, but we didn't, we certainly didn't expect this. Uh, And we were all apart. Uh, Federico was at the keynote. Mike was in San Jose. In a hotel room. In a hotel room. And I was in Memphis because we'd had a death in the family. So I flew out like midweek and all three of us. So, so we weren't together, but we all got to celebrate it at once because I mean, I was, you know, on Twitter and all of a sudden my mentions and Tweetbot just like exploded when people were, were were catching up and seeing this. Yep. And it felt like a real acknowledgement of our work, but also just like what an amazing 
image uh, to see this. And so we we bought the rights to the image for I don't even know how much money. And I and Mike and I each have a uh, a print of this uh, as a fracture, and I have it in my office, and it's a very proud moment for us. I remember Marco and Casey bumping me during the keynote, be like, "Dude, that's connected." And I was like, and I started texting you, and like. What is that? What like? Yeah, that was a that's a good moment. And you you were ahead of us a little bit because you were there live, and the stream's always you know ninety seconds behind or something, uh, and so it it really was something really special. I have some good photos that uh, our friend Alex Cox took of me because they were with me. Like we were watching it as like a group in a hotel room, and Alex was taking pictures of my face when it kept because the the great thing about this is it kept happening during the podcast segment you could kind of see it peeking in <laughs> and then they end up flicking through it and it was you know it was there but then the big moment was this one where tim comes back on at the end of that segment and they're like wrapping up their like this is what the apple watch you know whatever watch what watch os was it eight or something? No, no, not eight. Like four, S- six, twelve, a hundred, whatever. Watch it. Watch it was five. When he was like wrapping it up, is when he is then standing in front of it because it was you know in the demo, you know it was in the demos and videos. Whoever was showing it off and stuff, and it was just one of the podcasts in that thing. But one of the words they had like three words to describe Watch OS that year, and one of them was connected. So it, I think that's why they chose, and it obviously wasn't about podcasts. That was about like improvements to messaging. But I think it helped them, like whoever it was that decided they wanted to put our artwork in there. It just helped make the point even further. And then the image that is in the show notes, this was a Getty image. And it was ended up being all over the newspapers the next day. Mm-hmm. Which is like, that was how we even found out that this image existed. Because like I was looking through my phone library the other day and I just have screenshots of the keynote video, right? Like the day before that. But then this image came out uh, the day after. It was just super cool. That's a great thing. So that's it. That's, uh, our, that's it. our favorite stories of the first decade of Connected. I guess we'll re- we'll revisit this in ten years. Ooh, I'm not comfortable with the first decade. <laughs> Stay tuned for the second decade. Yes, coming soon. Happening now, in fact, it mm-hmm. is happening right now. The, it's the, already begun, actually. The the decades is what we'll call this. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes. This traditional episode, yeah, where we review the ten years, the, the decades. Mm-hmm. I love it. Putting it in the bottom of the document. <laughs> I think you're okay, but. I like it anyway. The decades. If you want to find links to all the stories we spoke about, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash four five five. Those links are also in your podcast player. I'm going to draw your attention to a couple of them. The first one is to join Connected Pro. You'll get a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. You also get access to the Relay FM members discord, a bunch of annual specials and monthly podcasts just for members and a really fun newsletter that we put together each month. You can also submit feedback. There's a form on the website. That link is also in the show notes. Uh, you can send us anonymous feedback about anything uh, related to the show. Or, you know, you know, tell us more about things that smell good. You can find us all online. Federico is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. 
And he is on Mastodon as Vatici at MacStories.net. Mike is the co-host of a bunch of other fantastic shows here on Relay FM, and he is the co-founder of Cortex Brand. You can follow him on Mastodon as iMike at Mike.social. You can read my writing at 512pixels.net, and I'm on Mac Power Users here on Relay FM each and every Sunday. And you can follow me on Mastodon as ISMH at eWorld.social. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, FitBod, Clean My Mac X, and Electric. And until next time, guys, say goodbye. I'll leave it to you. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.